Welcome to Beyond the Blockchain, the podcast hosted by Abby Harris and Yuri C. Get ready for an exciting and informative show that takes you on a journey into the world of blockchain and crypto in each episode. Abby and Yuri explore the latest trends, developments, and challenges in the blockchain industry, providing insights from experts and thought leaders. Abtracks on the field. Beyond the block, so um, we're connecting all of the culture together, just everything. So we're going with like the, the tech drink champs almost, somewhere like, you know. <laughs> but we definitely want to um, highlight all the people that we know in the community. You feel me? So um, we're going to start out with my favorite, which is the five W's who, what, when, where, why, and uh, who are you? Um, who am I? Uh, yeah, man, I'm Logic, man, also known as Julian Gilliam. Uh, I am a visionary. I am an innovator. Um, I turn heads. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm relentless. That's who I am. Um, I will be considered one of the most creative people to ever walk this earth. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Where are you from? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, or Misery, if you let my mama tell it. <laughs> uh, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I I was born and raised there, um, but I was molded in Chicago. Um, I did the last my last 12 years in Chicago, uh, and then I. Uh, Hold on, wait, 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 wait! It don't get cold in Missouri, and it gets real cold in Chicago. <laughs> How is that transition like? Uh, the transition was, it was, it was sweet because when I left St. Louis to go to Chicago, I appreciated the winners because I knew that I probably could get lost in the sauce if I came out. If I came out to a place like, uh, I knew I probably could have got lost in the sauce if I came to a place like L.A. where it's, 20, it's seventy-two and sunny year-round and. Uh, I just used that winter as a way for me to, um, I guess, be void of FOMO because in those early years of my career, I just was able just to stay in the studio and just work on the things. Call it the wintertime grind. You know what I'm saying? So, so look, you kind of like special because you already said career, and I, I wanted to build up to that. Um, so, since you're talking about it, when, uh, you are an artist. Uh, I've seen uh, you work with some very big people. So talk about like talk about your art, where it came from, your passion, and then how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, man. Uh, I've been drawing and doing been drawing ever since I could remember. Uh, literally, I can remember as early as like second grade, drawing in class, kindergarten, third grade. Uh, but I had this knack, man, where I could like. Uh, I would always draw, but I could, but I was also good at math and I was like in honors classes and stuff like that. So it was like, I was like really good at using both sides of my brain. Um, so and quick question. quick question. So any of that drawing had anything to do with graffiti? Uh, I tried graffiti, but I was kind of trash at it cause it was just like on my pencil. Uh, and that type of, uh, that type of energy wasn't that prevalent in St. Louis. 
so it was all in the things that I could probably maybe find on the internet or things I saw in movies. But it wasn't like I had spray cans on me. You know what I'm saying? So it was mostly, it came from like doodling and cartoons, like cartoons of my shit. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Cool World. Like I was blown away by those cartoons, Looney Tunes. So I came from more so like the idea of drawing like cartoons and building out worlds. I was more so fascinated with like a Tim Burton or in, in that lane of creating um, uh, like he can go from creating his type of cartoons where um, Nightmare Before Christmas and stuff like that to uh, doing the Batman film with, uh, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer and um, Michael Keaton, which was amazing because you got to see his creativity uh, translate from his animation style to a film, a feature film. And that's the type of stuff that I want to do, especially when you start to look at stuff like Cool World or Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which that came out in 1988. I just watched it. I showed my business partner this other day and it was, it was so fucking well done uh, mixing live action with uh, boundless imagination. Uh, I'm sure that might be the only time uh, Bug Bunny and um, uh, Mickey Mouse had an official like cameo at the same time it's, it's a beautiful but that type of stuff dro drove me so it wasn't necessarily like uh a graffiti as much as it was world building i feel like graffiti i, I do throw ups i throw tags but it was too small in my opinion like of what i wanted to create you know what i'm saying so yeah yuri um yeah i i'd love to keep tapping into the word creativity i mean I, I've already done some of my homework. Um, how do you use that on a day-to-day? -day? Um, where are you currently building? Man, on a day-to-day, -day, man, I think I've been exercising uh, intention behind my creativity since I was 15. Um, I used to, I started off uh, designing websites, actually, um, and designing signatures. I don't know if y'all were part of forums and stuff back in 2005, uh, but I used to, I started off in gaming and designing tent, uh signatures and design websites and stuff like that uh and the reason why when you say like what where my creativity come from is because it was this idea of uh not just to be a person who can paint or draw or uh can just fulfill a creative role and be task oriented versus coming up with the, those big ideas so from um I've, I've been able to hustle the corporate ladder uh by being a like you said i worked with brands like i've worked with the likes of Jordan brand, Nike, um, Time Magazine, uh, Mountain Dew, things of that nature from uh, an individual standpoint. Uh, but on, but I also worked in, I also was on the other track uh, in marketing and advertising as a creative director, as an art director. Um, so it was always this thing of learning how to package. So me coming from St. Louis, I had to realize there was a lot of shit that I didn't know. That was business acumen, that was, um, uh, uh, the way money moves or the way culture, uh, the reason why people wear army fatigue this year versus pink last year. Uh, and it was like those things of not just being a person who could uh, draw, but it was a person who understood the psychology of people, why people do the things that they do. So it was this, so to be, a, and this is me taking, coming from, again, it's like, if I want to create my own version of Disney, uh, there are so many things that I need to do uh, in order to achieve that. And that for me, that was like trying to create some type of uh, universal truths or universal resonance in the, in, the thing, in the way I approach my artwork. And I knew that in my career standing where I was living that I wouldn't, my view on the world was too shallow. Uh, so that goes into me 
uh, spending everything I have to sleep in a hostel, going to Art Basel in 2012 and 13, just to see how people do the things they do or going to South by Southwest, but not as a patron, but as a person as to identifying uh, how people showed up in 2013 to South by Southwest with flip flops and dirty tank tops. To four years later, Jimmy Kimmel there, people coming out in Margiela and they bests of the best fits. So you get to see like how culture transitions, how it adopts and how it adapts and you just call those signals. And the reason why that was imperative for my artistic growth because when I go into corporate settings, um, we're coming up with ideas that usually people who are in those boardrooms go to work and go home. I'm bringing a keen perspective. They cherry picking the culture off the top. And I'm like, that's weak, that's whack. This is why, because you always got to be solution based. But it was the idea of me, because this is like this crazy thing. I have so much foresight to realize that people are going to put you in a box and you can't uh, expect people to uh, identify your worth, whether I'm a creative person or not, because people in the, that's looking at the number, the baseline of the numbers, uh, they're going to just pay you this uh arbitrary number and for me it was like taking the reins and and demanding how much i get paid demanding my rankings and for me that was an art game that was artistic that was a game that was creative the way i navigated through corporate america all the way up to being a creative director at google then leaving to do my own thing so just even playing that that role and understanding people uh to to position myself to do what the fuck i want to do was artistic in itself uh um so yeah man it was and the, the reason why I did that is so I can do whatever the fuck I wanted as an artist. So I was working. I didn't want to paint someone's dog uh, to stay afloat because uh, I wanted to just make what logic wanted to make. And over that past this past decade, uh, I was able to craft a world around the things I wanted to create by using their money to sustain that stuff. And uh, now I'm like, you know, I'm a nomad doing art stuff and uh, uh, just leaning on that last decade that I've done. So yeah, man, that's where the kind of creativity is kind of playing both both of those sides. Um, as an artist working with brands and as a creative director, seeking out the artists or people to make TV commercials and billboards and all that shit, so. Um, so, so what connected you, what pushed you to go, to go towards, going towards going down the rabbit hole of Web3 and NFTs? Well, like I said, when I was, uh, I was designing websites uh, by the time I was 15. I was considered a professional website designer by the time I was 16, 17. Um, and back in the, like I was so deep, I used to design stuff for video games and stuff like Blizzard Entertainment offered me a job when I was 17 to go to Irvine, California. But I played division one basketball, so I was like, I'm gonna play basketball. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and I wanna go to college, but uh, the whole idea, I was uploading shit to FTP servers back in the day. I was selling web hosting back in the day. I was flipping domains, like five-letter domain. I had a domain called Ploda. Doesn't mean anything. I made it up. But the idea that five-letter domains back in the day were super rare, I bought it for $12, got a couple hundred dollar offers on it. So I was already under, I was already aware of, um, I was communicating with uh, developers. Like I'm in my developer's crib right now. We in the, the trap house. Uh, working on a blockchain video game right now, a, a blockchain game. Uh, so I, I've already had experience experience working with coders. That's understanding of, uh, that um, uh, engineering is just a set of variables. If this happens, then that happens. And if that doesn't happen, then this happens. And when you start to understand those certain things, then now I can hack smart contracts. And then the idea of, um, I played World of Warcraft 2, uh, which also helped inform, uh, you know, uh, helped inform Vitaly for Ethereum. So I've heard through the grapevine, but 
the idea of owning owning uh, digital assets to a game and then losing them, right? Like you can lose them, all that hard work you did. Uh, and then also the idea of owning domains and flipping domains, uh, the idea of digital assets and a digital uh, real estate, if you will. Uh, so when I saw, when I heard about Web3 through Fien uh, Lady Phoenix, like I bought crypto in 2017, but I didn't really understand blocks and chains and all that stuff. But I just understood the idea of being early because I've been so early in pop culture. You know what I'm saying? I've been so early in uh, um, technology when I was doing it back in the day. Like I was on Ventrilo and TeamSpeak in, in 2012, that's fucking Twitter spaces and Clubhouse. We were already doing it. We were doing it just amongst website design people and gaming people. It's just so happy we put it on our phone and everybody's like, wow, look at this fucking revolutionary technology about two years ago. But the idea of it is um, when I saw, when I when I was on Clubhouse, I had just started at Google actually. Uh, like when I got hired at Google, a week later, the pandemic happened. I did onboarding from home, which was like a gift and a curse. It was hard as fuck. I wouldn't recommend anybody trying to onboard to Google from home. But also, it gave me enough time to uh, dive into what Web3 was. Because while I was onboarding, I'd be on my fucking phone on Clubhouse. Like, what the fuck is this shit? So shout out to Lady Phoenix. Uh, if you don't know who Lady Phoenix is, she's a black queer woman who's been a pioneer in the space. She was like the liaison between like uh, people and his relationship with Nifty Gateway so he can own his own smart contract. Uh, she was back there when she was, she came on to space when they were calling NFT signatures, not even NFT signatures. Uh, so she was on Clubhouse spelling it out. This is open S E A dot I O, and I'm on there like super early. Um, I bought Mana in like November of 2020 or some shit like that, and I was I was I was sold, man. It was just an easy walk. But basically, what I'm saying it was an easy walk for me to understand ownership and digital assets, and I'm an animator and I. I was like, wow, I have somewhere to put all this shit I've been posting on Instagram. I got somewhere to put it. Uh, so, yeah, it was a no-brainer. It was a fucking... And then also smart contracts. When you start learning about Mad Dog Jones and, like, most people didn't even know Beeple when he created that piece with uh, 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 Donald Trump and Biden when they were, like, uh, about to duke it out, that depending on who won the, the election, the NFT would transform into the person who won the fucking election. And it was so people... So many people just so, oh my God, it's people that they even forgot to just think about the idea that the technology helped carry the story that much further. Um, and and that's just the boundless nature of uh, smart contracts. And that's where I, I come in as an architect on the blockchain, in my opinion. Word vomit, word vomit. No, no, this is, this is great. Um, so what do you feel um, because it's you said you were working within um, building a game currently. Um, what do you feel pulls? What is the greatest thing that you feel pulls you to Web three gaming? And what do you feel is your biggest concern in the space of Web three gaming? Uh, well, my game isn't like a video jo joystick game. It's more so using the idea of trading, uh, time held, uh, time elapsing for the NFTs. Um, it's into the concepts. Most of the time, so like if you look at uh, Gala games, that's a, like that's a, that's different. Like uh, it's like just playing League of Legends or whatever, and, and playing like that's not what I'm talking about. It's more so like I'm hacking smart contracts and APIs uh, to create. Um, a, the game is called Good and Evil. The game of Good and Evil. Just in short, so you have an NFT that's in, in a, and the NFT is what we're calling the soul, and uh, the NFT has a, a angel and a, and a devil on the shoulders. 
and let's just say for example your your nft goes between the influence of good and evil every three days so at one set of three days it's like this blue thing with a halo and the, the devil and angel and then three days later the influence is evil we got the horns it's red it's fiery and then the the devil and angel on the shoulders by when you're influenced by one of the two you can make a certain decision and the idea of this uh game is to acquire these things called grails so when you're influenced by evil, you can sacrifice your NFT for a chance at a grill. Grill are like created by uh, artists and things of that nature. So if it succeeds and you refresh it, now it's uh, Yuri one of one in the collection. But if it fails, the NFT goes into purgatory. Now, if you only have enough liquidity to buy one NFT, uh, you wait till your NFT is influenced by good, and now you can resurrect souls out of purgatory. So the idea of it is, it's, the, it's like I, I changed, I just pretty much created a game to DJN over amazing artwork. And uh, and it's way more robust than the way I'm explaining it. But the idea of it is most of the things that I'm watching have no end. They they have this lore, if you want to call it, people call it storytelling NFTs, which is a bunch of bullshit. And they create this one paragraph thing, the goblin that lived under the bridge that moved to Mars and now they're trying to find home and collect all the 10,000. And then people are like, then it's kind of weird when people ask him like, why is this $7,000 NFT all of a sudden worth $50? Because it doesn't have meaning anything. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't, it didn't start, it didn't stop. It just did this thing. And you hope people just hold on to this card and be like, oh yes. This, I, is, this is only this is only to prove a point. This is not to say that anything we've spoken about is of the same tier, but it's to prove how people can create value and it can mean nothing at the snap of a finger. Um, I got in a great conversation the other day and um, someone made a reference to NFTs and Beanie Babies. And there was this literal belief at one point in time that uh, Beanie Babies would become a transactional way of living. Like that was literally how that was felt across a, a physical existence. And you could even argue that um, our generation, our introduction into those types of assets might have been, been might have been those sorry i'll say it but the stupid heartfelt toy symbols that were beanie babies it was an understanding of value changing but i think more importantly and this was his greatest point too um it was proof that it could end it's proof that i agree with you like someone could pretend that that bear is worth seventeen thousand, but tomorrow it could be not no longer worth a thing and i think that's because of the way society consumes value or feeling um and i from what I've been taking away from this conversation, this is what I was hoping to dive into. Um, that feeling can change on a whim. And I think a lot of people within Web3 and gaming um, are, I want to say early, like there's nothing wrong with it. But um, you have this track record of finding things prior to them, let's say, blowing up. And another great example you brought up was Clubhouse. Um, how do you feel about, let's say, your peers as they look at things and they might be uh, misrecognizing whether or not things are early or not. Do you feel like you notice that more based on your experience in this world creating? Um, or do you feel that this moment might be different? Like what is your current indicator on early social value? I don't want to ask if we're looking at Beanie Babies, but do you feel like people are misvaluing certain parts of Web3 kind of like they might have with the internet? Um, like, is there any... Uh, um, cross checks or cross references that you've felt as of recently, especially now, like as we're in an interesting part of the market that everyone might've been over hyping certain parts of this. Uh, are you familiar with my project called The Plug? 
could you start from the be- start from the beginning on it? This way, even if they have not heard of it, um, we can teach people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I can do this. Um, uh, here we go. So the plug, the plug is a project that I dropped back in uh, November. I mean, October of twenty twenty one. So right before the big NFT NYC. Now the plug, the reason why I created it, 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 it's an implicit staking program. Uh, So essentially my NFT, the longer you hold it, the more juice you get, the more plugs you gain. The reason why I created this is because I knew that at that time, I got my ape at 0.08 ETH, right? That's how early I was. And per the signals that I talked about, like for instance, I saw South by Southwest go from uh, early adopters to like the mass market. And then I saw it taper off. I saw uh, Art Basel before crypto. I saw uh, early uh, people who were, you know, super early to the game, like people that lived in Miami, to early adopters, to masses, to taper off. I, I knew the same thing, like to the Beanie Baby thing, where that shit completely died. But when, um, until like 10 years from now, right, 30 years from now, then Beanie Babies might have this historic thing again, which is a, it's a, a archaic ventures thing. So the plug, what I created was um, an implicit staking program because I knew that the space can sustain itself because there's a bunch of dudes with socks and sand- with socks in their sandals telling us what was dope. And I knew that dickle butts wouldn't get no play from where I come from. Like it just won't. And if I'm trying to tell people in my community the value of a board ape or a, 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 a Yeti or whatever, us as a black community, as a broad spectrum, would get fucking burned because it's not our sense of humor. It's not, none of this stuff resonates. So what I created was the plug. And this was for people that take in my long-term vision. So what is the plug? When people purchase my NFT, they start at 1% as a fly on the wall. And every 60 days, all on contract, the NFT juices up or charges up and I'll show you what it looks like. So it goes from 1%, 17%, 33%, dream chase, the mover and shaker. I actually modeled it after hustlers like after people who have dreams like the people i surround myself in within chicago new york la so you go from mover and shaker to hustler what do you do with the product you hustle you start to innovate that product all the way up to the connect and sensei now i tell people it takes 60 days for all of those maturations like all those interviews but i don't tell how long it takes to get to the alchemist because we have those certain ebbs and flows those certain un- uncertainties in our career do you paper hand logic's career do you paper hand yuri's career do you uh paper hand ab's career like what do you do so when it gets to the alchemist it evolves to a starting final stage and it stays like that forever on the blockchain and it's well over a year's time because i knew that a year wasn't enough and this is for people not looking at me as a liquidity pool but looking at me for a long-term vision and know that i'm here to fucking play big ball so and this was my dev and i satoshi go our way of getting dipping our toe in the water just to see if the fucking contract works and it fucking did so as you can see i'm able to track all my collectors based on their rankings and they're and it's all all the so you see this person is a sensei the phone is go the juice meter is on 10. so then we go to uh or full for those who don't understand what on 10 means uh and then uh and then this one is the one percent of final you see the juice meters at one percent it's on blink so when like my next project the good and evil thing that we're about to introduce pretty soon People are going to be able to mint more of a certain more souls, if you will, depending on how long or how much juice they got in the game. Right. You got more juice than this man. You get in the club for free. You got more juice than this person or you got you got the juice. I'm giving you tickets to this concert. You got juice. 
I'm hooking you up with a lawyer, blah, 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 blah. So this idea of it is the more, the longer you stay in the game, the more your phone on fire. So this idea of support, this idea of having long-term vision and, and, and to double it down on this, I was a lot of people's first NFT, um, I was a lot of people's first uh, NFT. So in Chicago, I did this thing called What the Fuck Are NFTs? And because um, I knew, I knew that uh, this space would not sustain itself past a year and then we would actually have a floor drop or uh, this idea. So the I based on supporting your notion, but the reason why I created it was to circumvent or to, I was actually predicting uh, this time and space where we are now, but that doesn't, but I also understood, I already knew that Amazon, Amazon was about to come out with a layer one, uh, besides Meta getting rid of their minting, you got Reddit that proved successful. But the thing is, once it's done properly and seamlessly, and I think uh, Amazon's gonna be one of the most successful things to do this, uh, it's gonna be a no-brainer. Um, token gating, assets on Amazon, blah, blah, blah. Right now, we just had a bunch of weak shit, like the fluffy pillows, and then this thing, then this thing, then this thing. There's just a bunch of people stabbing in the dark. But that's why when I create my things, I want them to be undeniable, like, oh, well, I want to see mine. I'm like, they couldn't fucking do it because people not using a noggin. It's like nothing's gonna change. There's a bunch of people rushing to the, to the, to the, to the goal to try to get the pairs of shovels. But the thing is, I'd rather be the person with the shovel, right? I'm, I mean, selling the shovels and the bags. So that's me creating standards, blockchain standards. So like even me creating the plug, that was a standard. I had a call with Time Magazine about it. They trying to like, how did you fucking do that? Then the whole other thing about the uh, the, the the good and evil game. It's gonna be another standard. So it's this idea of creating things more grandiose than, and people are, we're just creatures of habit. Even though we've had pre-existing uh, case studies, if you will, uh, web one, web two, fucking beanie babies, blah, blah. And, and people still gonna, some people are like, feel like they're very perceptive, right? They can get out ahead and whatever. But other than, overall, people are creatures of habit and we're gonna just keep repeating the same shit. And most people are too lazy to take a step back to see the big picture in the first place. Now within, now within saying that, uh, you know, when we go to our communities, the adoption is, 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 is at a very, very low rate for us. Um, is there anything, do you think that art is something that bridges the gap? It did bridge the gap, but uh, when we the adoption thing is 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 asinine to be honest. To be honest, in the current state of blockchain, because even the quote unquote the most savvy people in the space get their wallets drained. Um, it's just too complicated for the average person. My mom, my mom has a wallet, but she don't have a fucking exist. She like she has one of my NFTs. My dad, it's just too much. It just it does it does it's too much. Like that's why I think the Amazon thing. Like for instance, when Amazon comes out, everyone that has a Prime account is going to get a wallet, right? Their infrastructure is the most one, the best one, the, the most prepped and ready for Web three integration. Because let's say I got I'm logic. I design clothes. I put my marketplace on Amazon and uh, I token gate a colorway just for, you know, low hanging fruit. I token gate a colorway. Say for instance, people got the plug. People go on Amazon, they get the fucking jacket. Amazon fulfills the orders. They fulfill the orders. Do you, do you think Amazon is the way to teach someone for their first time or would you steer them somewhere else before they go to Amazon to try this out? 
Uh, people, different strokes for different folks, man. Uh, what about what about for an artist? Like, what would be if they were today? They were walking up to you on March 16th. What would you do to teach them right out the gate what this new creator economy can evolve into potentially? Uh, yeah, I would. Um, I think Amazon would be a great one. Uh, because it's the thing is. Right now, I think we have to identify that most people doing stuff in this space are nerds. No matter if you consider yourself a nerd, you're a fucking nerd. Like, <laughs> to do all of this work, right? To do all of this. Most of the people that I know who are culture pioneers, the coldest people on the planet, the freshest people on the planet, they, they don't have time for this shit. They just don't. And they don't care to be on Twitter talking to people. They just bust moves and, and, and cause waves, right? And and when you and when you try to expect a lot of these like they're too cool for school and not in a way that like they're they're like this like just that's not part of their repertoire. So when you have when you have to consider those people like when I saw all the stuff that was happening in the space, which is why I created the plug. I was like the people that I consider the coldest people are not in the space, and we listen to a bunch of corny motherfuckers tell us what's tight. No, seriously, we're, but they're tech people. So they have the upper, they got the first mover advantage, right? So yeah. here's me doing this thing with the fucking NFTs and I, I created my own event called Sugoi, which means a wow or awesome in Japanese. I created that to onboard those cool motherfuckers, right? But even then there's some, like they're interested and I'm like, the, I'm the conduit or the catalyst for them to get into it. But it has to be easy as one, two, three. Um, like the Joe Fresh goes, if you know who that is or a chance to rap or whatever, you know, all these people who kind of like do their thing got so many things going on where it's scary, is on, is on, you don't know what the fuck's on the other side. Uh, so yeah, man. And I was like, I showed a plug, like that's one of the things, like you can't deny the loyalty program situation, but even then, uh, that's complicated, right? Uh, so I've been trying to figure out ways uh, to onboard a lot of musicians and things of that nature by bringing them in per my fold and things that I'm doing. Uh, like this little music thing. Like I'm gonna try to have a lot of guest appearances from people in Chicago and New York and LA that are not necessarily Web3 people, like drummers and fashion designers to have pieces in the good and evil, uh, just kind of champion those type of thinkers and creatives um, to be in the space. Uh, some dope shit, you know? Black dope. Yuri? No, this is good um, because you're able to show with. Uh, proof of your own work that this is a model that I've been able to utilize and you're able to keep track of it and the more people you feel you can onboard or connect with to help build um, I see the lines I see I see the dots being connected um, I, I think what's let's play the other side of this what's the toughest part of this aside from uh, realizing that we're all nerds in this conversation what's the toughest part of this in terms of adoption like what's mainstream pushback look for look like for something like this well, the current state is uh, liquidity cannibalism. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, I think that's one of the things. Um, but for the pushback from mainstream is just uh, right now we're getting a lot of negative media. Uh, the the Silicon Valley Bank, the like even the stable coins that are backed by bonds, which is supposed to be the safest um, investment in the world, you know. Uh, but that just proves that it's not just but for propaganda it's like a web 3 thing or something but uh, but for it's just more so a testament to that just the economy isn't shit it's just shit right now um, so I think right, right there when people the, the, the beautiful thing is like when we're evaluating the price of crypto 
uh, before, let's say just 2021, 2022, uh, there was a small pool of people that were participating in Web3 or crypto or, you know, and even smaller, like I was, I was a part of the 2017 drop, uh, fucking, you know, uh, and it was even a smaller guy, uh, group to, you know, sample uh, as the, the sustaining of the cryptos, right? So if we take the idea of just even 2017 or 2020 uh, and we compare it to the amount of wallets or people that are aware of crypto versus the amount of people that were aware of crypto in 2017 and just 2020, uh, it's, it's probably got to be up a thousand percent. It's got to it's got to be it's got to be some like people. Uh, what was it? it was GameStop and fucking Dogecoin that got so many people like I don't know what Dogecoin. I'm pretty sure most people thought Dogecoin was a, a stock option. You know what I'm saying? They got it on, they got it on uh, Robinhood, right? Uh, and when crypto and stuff going crazy, and people like, well, I already kind of got this weird thing called Dogecoin. I know what Bitcoin is, so Ethereum seems cool. So it's kind of like that type of uh, bridge, um, which I thought was awesome. So my point is, uh, right now we're in this low, and this is the most opportune time to be creating, which is why I'm coming out swinging with my game. Like, I never stopped. But, and this is when, you know, people are like morale down, morale is down and all this stuff. But then in the same turn, we have Fortune 500 companies still allocating millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, to the space. Uh, so like when the rise comes and people become more aware of it, again, it's gonna breed another, another, I guess another phase of nerdism, if you will. Yeah. People that get introduced to Amazon, uh, blockchain through Amazon or whatever, when they when 300 million fucking wallets get open at one time, imagine the percentage of people are gonna take liberty to kind of, what is this thing? And then to go explore even further on their own accord, uh, to then open up the market even further. And my whole point of saying that is, another wave of consumerism is gonna, um, uh, come out and I think I was saying about three to four quarters I don't see it happening like but depending on when Amazon stuff come out and I, I know I'm saying a lot about Amazon uh, my dad fucking hates when I give him so much credit but to be honest, you know but the thing is when you start to see more things be solidified in uh, everyday nature um, like I have a friend who's opening up a hotel that's crypto friendly like you know like just stuff like that when they just get those things which I think is going to be longer than a year or so but um or that type of adoption but i think when it, you just go to fucking starbucks which they got a loyalty program but they're not going to tell their them uh they're not going to tell the soccer moms or whatever that this is on the polygon network and for this you need matic that's just not fucking about to happen right yeah. now, now now i think that's what the problem has been this whole time like i'm gonna just send you a file i don't need to know if it's an mp3 mp4 let me just send you a file I yeah. don't need to know what chain is on. Like when I log into now, because I, I see so many projects, right? My thing is when I log in, I only want to press one button. That means connect to Google. Like if I want to go to the Web3 side and, and put in my MetaMask, then I can do that. But I, that option is there. But I just want to be able to just click, 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 connect. I'm in the platform and we, we function it. Yeah. That's one of the things. It's just like, why y'all gotta make things technical? Like, it doesn't have to be technical. Nobody needs to know the technical aspect of how this functions and what. And then fuck all of that. I want to play the game. There's an NFT in the back end. Okay, cool. You know, so yeah, yeah. Like what they call the updated MetaMask, like ER seven seven three six five. Like 
Yeah, it was like, bro. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. I, I think it's interesting though, because you're still talking about distribution on two different levels, right? So one of them is uh, Amazon Undeniable. We all know what two-day shipping is. We all know what Amazon Prime is. Can't ignore it. I understand both arguments of why it's amazing, why your developer is angry. Um, I think the other way to kind of look at this that I've been looking for scaling and distribution or the other lightning rod, and this is something that I've noticed um, from moving from Denver back home to New York City, is New York has a much larger presence of physical goods merged with NFTs. So like the, the most obvious one that I'll just do the low hanging fruit in this discussion is Artifact Studios seems to stand out much more here in New York than I ever noticed in Denver. Um, I think that there's certain rites of passage or check marks that things need to take place. And mm. some of them happen to be um, Lord Bezos and then others happen to be um, tiny, smaller projects that if you know, you know, um, lead to different forms of proof of work or verification. Do you think that that's how stuff gets pushed forward? Do you think there's a middle ground that we're yet to see? Um, do you think that maybe it is the fact that um, Nike is swinging maybe in the right direction by purchasing a studio like that? Maybe that is how this moves forward, where studios continue to get purchased, which will verify all of these networks going forward. Um, how do you see people getting more comfortable with this outside of Amazon Prime? Uh, do you think it's style or do you think it's something else? Well, I've seen the artifact shoes that tile by themselves. I saw those in Basel. I think Nike did a good move by acquiring a company that had already been kind of cemented into the community. Uh, but they they also using them as test dummies because um, then, then they can take those learnings to then create swoosh. swoosh. Um, so Artifact, I'm sure, informs swoosh uh, to use. If Artifact fails, there's no harm, no foul for Nike and it protects their building. So then swoosh can take technology and best practices from Artifact and to sustain swoosh. And the thing about the reason why I mean, I'm, you know, this the reason why it's more prevalent in New York and LA is just, or New York is because just more people are uh, desensitized to shit. Uh, people styles are way more vast in Denver. Uh, and like I went to Denver, I've been to Denver a bunch of times. There is no fucking social hierarchy in Denver. Uh, everyone's on the same level. There's no VIP of anything. <laughs> uh, so. I mean, I, I mean, just from my me yeah. Going, do you do you think social expression is what drives this eco? All of these ecosystems, but people look yeah. at places like New York and LA for inspiration. They look at for those people to deem something worthy and cool. Uh, if somebody is like, "Yo, this shit is popping in Denver," no one's going to give a shit. No one's going to bat an eyelash. But if you got, I mean, you got like the hyper uh, the hyper focus of uh, influencers, actors, models, and. Uh, the best photographers and video people that are living in uh, small boxes but making the dopest shit uh, <laughs> that the world is seeing. Uh, it's just that much easier to catch traction on the internet. Like, I think they will be doing themselves. A, uh, so they have to allocate those resources. But I do think that's when I go in, like, I think dope shit is going to sustain the space. Um, like, when you put, when you, like, Virgil Abloh, I have the, I have the PDF, I have, I have the plans of Virgil Abloh's um, plans to get into the Web3. Now, he was at an intersection that would have been where most people couldn't operate. High-end fashion, streetwear, the coolest people that you want to listen to speak. 
and it was called the skyscraper and it was like when you have that type of influence doing stuff that's comprehensive uh and 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 provocative it would that like that's the type of a doc like people would have been you know how many people that don't know shit about shit would have got wallets to get them to get them uh virtual abloh exclusives or whatever virtual abloh with pharrell or virtual abloh with madonna virtual abloh with it would have been it would have been stupid it would have been stupid rest in peace but i think those type of things are the stuff that we need to do you know like for me on a small level doing the plug provocative in nature from a cultural standpoint the cool dude but i'm like yo they looking at me i'm like yo it's a lot of like not a lot of me but it's a lot of me that I'm just an anomaly that understands this shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, once the once the, the people get the fucking hand, you know, they get the grasp of it's a fucking rap, bro. It's a rap. It's a rap. No, definitely. And I think being able to spot these innovators ahead of time is um, it's a great thing. Like like to be able to have these conversations and see how um, ideas and dreams can scale. Um, it's an unbelievable time to be alive. Even. Um, I wanted to dive into this subject range because Ab and I talk about this all the lot, all the time in music and Web three, um, and it was really funny that you had. I mean, it's not a surprise, but you had mentioned uh, Chance the Rapper previously, someone who decided to move past streaming and then was still able to get his own. Um, do you think that there's a way that um, artists are blinding blinding themselves deliberately right now and forcing themselves to um focus on spotify streaming and let's say physical merch and refusing web3 like what is your take on music in web3 currently um what does it take for a big name artist to eventually understand that they can redistribute secondary sales or even just take hold of the scalping market within tickets do you see them seeing that anytime soon or do you feel that gaming is for now and this answers a lot to change the the way that people can begin to accept this um with other great references that you made of like world of warcraft and such do either of you own any music nfts i do but i don't count because i have i'm supporting friends who are artists <laughs> yeah, that counts i know i know i know okay but like I, i'm saying i haven't purchased like i didn't purchase the biggie one let me be very specific here I, I don't know if i have to apologize for that but i looked at that and i couldn't i couldn't wrap my head around whether or not that was valuable for me yeah it could be valuable for someone else like i bought a couple pieces off of uh sound xyz um people that i know as well i don't think that i don't think people are necessarily being blinded like i, I don't think the liquidity is there i think the grind is almost like the grind could be counterintuitive if you don't have enough um, people that are in Web3 to do that thing. Um, and it takes certain people like, are you familiar with a guy named Dauda? No. So he's Grimes' manager. He's a brother to have. Um, he's a developer uh, and also he's Grimes' manager. And he's created this thing called um, uh, Droplink. Uh, there's a thing called Drop, uh, and he has another thing called Create OS. Um, but basically, Droplink rewards people for pre-downloading um, an album because pre-downloading an album on Apple Music is almost—it's like redundant almost because I just wait till I can't listen to it till it come out anyway. But he he created a Droplink to reward people, so then therefore you get rewarded per NFTs or whatever. So it's like an early, easy onboarding thing. It's pretty cool. 
uh, and that way you can keep track of how many people are early adopters for you and all that stuff. So you can actually track your numbers because Spotify and Apple Music does not provide that. So he's on the back end of really learning how to for people to control their consumer base. And he's dropping it with Nas. He's done it with, uh, like I said, with um, uh, Grimes and a few other people. Uh, so I think when you start to look at stuff like that, on the other hand, uh, also, I just don't think enough people uh, like you got call me Latasha, right? You're familiar with call me Latasha or Latasha, which is surprising. She just dropped an edition of 100 and point one isn't that crazy. But now in this market, point one is like you asking a lot, bro. Uh, she only sold not only blessings, but she's it's not attuned to what she's doing. And she she sold a music video for 50 bands at the height of it all. And she only she sold 33 out of 100 units, right? Like that's kind of and it was a music video. I know she, that's 3.3 e, right? Uh, nothing to sneeze at, but still, it's not the number she was doing. Uh, and but there's also the the, the market. But um, on the same on another turn, just saying, it's a lot of time and effort for a finite amount of people that know how to purchase your music. But it does take someone to educate, which I was working with the Roots at one point, but they got a little side uh, to do a um, to do a drop for them because I because the person that admired the way I do my the the drops, but that's like slow. That's very incremental uh, growth. So I just left Rolling Loud. Are you familiar with Rolling Loud? Yeah. So um, one, of my, one of my collectors gifted me five VIP passes to Rolling Loud based on him buying the VIP NFTs called Loud Punks. So. You had all these people, like I got to be in the front, like I saw Lil Tunchi or the greatest rapper alive. And I'm just like right here per my VIP tickets and the homies got to go. So I, I, shot, out, I shot out my collector for being the plug, you know, bop, bop, bop. But the idea of it is that, that, that NFT granted me VIP access and it can for a lifetime if I want to go to any loud, rolling loud festival. And I think right then and there, and they didn't even sell out, which is crazy. They didn't even sell out. But that's like, that shows you the, the but Rolling Loud was packed. It was like, it was tens of thousands of people at this place. And if all the, and they, they promoted the Loud Punks thing, but for those people that bought VIP traditionally for $1,200, $1,500, when they could have just bought a VIP lifetime thing for 1500 bucks, it's a fucking no brainer. But it takes those, it's, it's like a thing. It's like a slow, gradual build um, for something like that, you know. So, I, w- I would never buy a ticket to Rolling Loud. I just don't care. I'm, 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 I just, it's too much. I'm only going if I go for free. Um, but I think that stuff is going to affect. I think that stuff is is what's going to help music become like. Artists can't deny that VIP system, right? Like you can't, yeah. uh, but the infrastructure is not there. Yeah, the reward system is, is important. Um, I'm pushing a project to uh, turn fans into investors. Um, like Royal? Yeah, some like Royal, some like Royal, but a revenue share type of situation. Mm. Yeah, some like Royal, um, but. All in all, within the same, because I'm a, I'm an advisor on a company called Raise. They pitched that to Oracle before. Oh, nice. And, uh, they, I actually had them. They kind of like pivoted the whole Raise platform because my thing was 
investors want to spend their money, they want to know how they make their money back or how they can make money with companies. So, like that whole concept. So when I looked at it, I'm like, you know what, filmmakers, they have fans, they have friends, they have their family members. They say, hey, auntie, I'm, I'm doing something. Be my investor in my project. This is how you're going to make your money back, you know? A lot of times the music goes into the the, the funds go into a abyss because the local homeboy or our neighbors or you know what I'm saying they like yo I want to do a record label company and they spending the money in different places don't understand how they making the money back so yeah, you know, yeah. so this was my like concept is like you know put torture um, we living it on well, we had forty minutes but uh, you got any more questions before we break out Gary. Uh, what is one interesting thing that or I've got two one is what interesting project that you would have any of our listeners check out and then what is the book that or piece or post or content that you consumed that made you believe in web3 uh I'm a the project somebody should check out I'm gonna do a shameless plug um, I have a nonprofit organization called Chiba Center it's a Japanese language school for black people globally uh, so, um, so if people are interested in being a part of that or supporting it, or if you got anybody who's a NPO uh, whiz, hit me up. Uh, we have over 50 consistent students, have educated hundreds of students, uh, black and brown globally. Uh, so if you're interested in that, I sustained it with crypto too. Um, from the plug drop so we're looking and it's not sustainable for me to keep doing it so uh, always looking for support because we have so many people whose horizons have, have been broadened uh, because we've offered this free um, program video classes audio classes um, yeah so that's a project that I want anybody to check out that's a shameless plug for that um, and then also a piece of thing that helped uh, solidify I didn't really need an article, man. Once I understood that the shit was immutable, maybe it was a medium article or something. I was like, you don't change this shit? Like, you know, because you sell domains and stuff, you lose the thing or whatever. And I was like, oh, this digital asset I get to own, it was like a no-brainer, man. I didn't need too much convincing. Like I said, I was already like baked into the world of uh, tech. And, and when I learned about ownership, it was, a, it was a wrap, bro. But, oh, one of the things, I will say this, one of the projects that did uh, solidified was uh, uh, it was two Mirapak, uh drop with um, he has this piece that lives and dies um, so you purchase it over over a year span it grows and then at the end of the year it dies and then the only way it comes back is if it trades wallets that's when I learned about that the contract has baked in variables and things that I can create to create these ecosystems and these worlds which inform the plug if you think about it the time mechanism you traded it so if you trade it before it gets 100% it starts over uh and then uh and then mad dog jones he created a project called the replicator uh they created generations of itself uh and and after i learned that i was like people aren't thinking hard enough on what the fuck this space is um so yeah awesome thank you for your time logics appreciate it appreciate y'all man uh thanks for having me and giving me the the platform Have your on mute. Yeah, one more thing. I don't know if you have a lot of time for this question. <clears throat> that hat. Talk about that hat, bro. <laughs> 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 
black women are essential. We don't say it enough. Black black women are the most disrespected under uh, uh, most disrespected group in America or in the world. Uh, they are underpaid. They're under appreciated. And uh, my friend Chelsea Carter, uh, she's amazing, and a partner. I can't think of her name right now. They are partners. Uh, she's a fashion designer. She's been on like fashion. Project Runway as a fashion designer, one of those fashion design boot camp TV shows. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I think it's just in all the spaces that I enter, I uh, just like keep this top of mind, you know. Uh, shout out to our queens and sisters, you feel me? Absolutely. Thank yeah. you, Logic. Really appreciate it. See you. Enjoy your day, man. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Blockchain. We hope you enjoyed today's episode featuring our special guest Logic aka Julian Gilliam. But the excitement doesn't stop here. Make sure to mark your calendars and set a reminder because we drop a brand new episode every Monday. That's right, every week you'll have a chance to delve deeper into the world of blockchain and cryptocurrencies we